Hello and welcome to Arrest All the Mix. My name is Ben Tallon. This is the Original Thinking and Creative Innovation Podcast. Hello everyone. How are you doing? Are you good? Are you fired up? Are you creative? I hope so. The weather this week is diplomatic design decision making. Um, as I record this, I'm about to head down this afternoon to the old Truman Brewery on Brick Lane and I'm getting involved this afternoon with DNAD um, judging on the Ones to Watch New Blood Awards category so it's quite the honour I have to admit quite the, it's quite the compliment to be considered for such a such a big call this is a future defining decision right for the person on the other end of it who at this point I have no idea I've not seen the field of play I'm going to be letting the back door around 3pm this afternoon and Sean the best of the new stuff coming out of the uh, the graduate crop for 2017, so it's rather exciting. I've got to admit, I was down at the, the New Blood Awards last year, the inaugural one, uh, sorry, the festival, and it was fantastic. I got to see the work before people were let in. And there's just such innovative, fascinating stuff. I mean, these guys are growing up more and more with technology than my generation ever did and those that went before. So it's fascinating to see if they can use that effectively with the right level of creativity and communication skills. Uh, and a lot of them can and they're blowing you away. So I'm excited to go down this after and see what's going on down there. So that's one of the things we're talking about today with today's guest, Neil Bennett. We'll be talking about new talent and diversity in design and many other things, but we'll get to that very soon. First of all, I've got to thank my sponsors, Pause for the Cause, with um, the people that keep this show free for you guys every single week. Illustration Limited, my first sponsor, founding sponsors, they were the guys who came to me and said, look, you can run your mouth. Have you thought about podcasting? And I hadn't, even though I listened to a lot of them. So here we are, 78 episodes in, I believe. 78, 79, 80, I don't actually know. It depends when this thing comes out. (laughs) Amateur skills still shining through. There you go. Um, So yeah, illustrationweb.com, founding sponsor, they represent over 200 fantastic artists globally, doing all sorts of crazy things, including fashion illustration, live work, mural, large-scale artwork, lettering specialists, portrait artists. Um, The the talent is broad. The the range of people on the books is, is huge, so these guys do a good job. They work hard in the industry with groups like the Association of Illustrators, who also support the show, so go and check those guys out, theaoi.com. And it's important. We all need protection in the industry these days. With digital, there's lots of grey areas, intellectual property, copyright fees, the rest of it. So both of these guys um, do a fantastic job, so go and have a look, theaoi.com. And my founding sponsor, illustrationweb.com. Um, second, heartinternet.co.uk came on board uh, as a tech sponsor, a bit of a tech digital sponsor. So these guys work hard to help you make sense easily of search engine optimization, social media, all the digital channels that you need to represent your business and get seen by more of the people that you want to see your work. So go and have a look. They've got a lot of great resources online on their YouTube channels, uh, online tips for social media. Um, I still feel like a total amateur when it comes to that stuff. I look around and I'm dwarfed by the numbers of other people in my field. Oftentimes people who are way less experienced than me and it leaves you scratching your head a little bit. But I have found these guys a great go-to source for honing those skills a little bit, you know, making sense of how I can grow those numbers and and more importantly, engage with the right people on social media. So go and check them out, heartinternet.co.uk. Like I said, today's episode is with Neil Bennett, editor of Digital Arts. Um, Fantastic publication online who cover a really wide range of tech and creativity and um, it's quite broad, it's quite loose, it's not necessarily always just purely digital stuff, they're looking at input, you know, good use of digital creativity, but with often with analogue stuff too, so it's really worth um, going and having a look at internet.co.uk. Uh, printing.com, my third sponsor, they came on board last, but certainly not least, they do a fantastic job of, of promoting this podcast and it does mean a lot. Um, they're my personal printer, they're my printer for the show, for the promotional graphics, for the flyers, for the posters and everything else. Um, and they just do a good job. They've got great customer services, over 90 different products, uh, matte gloss, all sorts of finishes, different foiling, all, all kind of stuff going on. Go and have a look at the website, check it out. If you need some help, they'll be there to provide that. Really, really great people. Um, one thing that kind of jumped to mind, and I've had this conversation many times, 
So someone like Neil Bennett is a is a good guy to be in touch with. He's the editor of Digital Arts, so you know they're constantly featuring uh, projects and pushing them out to large numbers of people. And one of the great ways to get your work seen is by printed promotional material. So it's something I use quite a lot. If I've got something to say, if I've got a new campaign to share, I tend to go the extra mile, spend a little bit of money on printing and send it out to the people so it comes directly to them, only for them, in their mailbox that morning and it's like 100% open rate because they're getting it in their hands and they've got to open it to see what the mail is. So bear that in mind, uh, Neil might be working with a publication like Digital Arts on something that's heavily digital, as the name says, but that doesn't mean that you're not going to bypass large swathes of people on the email if you do just take the time to send something a little personal. A little, you know, just show them the respect, one-to-one. Uh, it's a it's a big tip. I do it all the time myself. I have a 16-page booklet printed on recycled stock designed by uh, Laura from Little Birds Talk. And it's just worth the time and effort that I put into it because I've had some great bites from people when I've sent it out to them. So that's that. That's Thank you for those wonderful sponsors. Uh, I hope you're all good, guys. I hope you're all keeping an eye on what's going on. There's a lot of stuff going off at the minute. New designers, new blood. It's that time of year. People... Um, graduating, people entering the industry, uh, the, the latest batch of people to come and challenge us for commissions, for jobs, it's exciting times and I think if we embrace that and keep our eye on it, it's very um, it's very engaging, very empowering um, it's like I said, it's a real honour to get to go down today and, and um, judge the DNA, DNU blood ones to watch category um, I believe it's going to be announced by Bruce Duckworth, who's one half of Turner Duckworth. Hoping to speak to him again for the show. He spoke to us as part of the DNAD Festival special a little while back. You can go back and check that out. But I want to get a full episode from Bruce talking about the importance of awards and industry recognition and events like New Blood. So hopefully going to have that for you very soon. Um, but today's guest, Neil Bennett from Digital Arts. So I wanted to talk to Neil because he was one of the first people who gave me any press, any exposure. He featured my work for the new Skins campaign on E4, going back to 2009, I think now. Wow, eight years. <laughs> That's crazy. I hadn't been full-time very long, to be honest, at the time. And it was, a hu- again, another huge compliment, a lovely boost, to get an email from Neil saying, hey, I've seen your Skins work. Um, we'd like to feature it. Can we get some details? And we had a conversation, and we've stayed in touch ever since. So I thought to myself, Neil's a wonderful guy. He's very, very interesting, very interested uh, in the industry and seeing where things are going. And he had a lot to talk about when I met him at their offices uh, on the Euston Road in London. Um, lovely fella. Very, um, very focused on diversity in design at the moment. This is one of the big threads that we're going to talk about today. He wants to see more gender equality. He wants to see uh, more racial equality going on in the industry, um, fighting for the right causes. And he's going to talk about why. And he's going to talk about his work at Digital Arts and, you know, getting featured on there and and, uh, and just the, that whole journey. So he gives some brilliant insights. We're going to look at new technologies and how that's coming into play now in people's work and some of the more inspiring examples it's seen. Um, so he's got a lot to talk about, and he's a top guy, so do go and check out Digital Arts, because they feature um, far and wide all sorts of awesome different projects, and I'm always keep using them as a great resource to find out what's hot and what's new, um, and oftentimes I will find people who I'd like to feature on this podcast and make the connections that way, so go and have a look at them, um, all the links in the show notes that you can go and find them on social media and on their website. Um, top guys, so I'm going to bring you that very shortly. A little thanks again to the sponsors, illustrationweb.com, heartinternet.co.uk, printed.com, and the brilliant Association of Illustrators who've been really helping to plug the show recently. Had lots going on with those guys. Discussions, like I mentioned recently, for a potential live conversation with a bit of an industry heavyweight coming up very, very soon in the late summer. So watch this space. We'll be announcing that as it comes closer. Um, hit us up on the Twitter, please, with your feedback at Arrest All the Mix, or you can email me hello at bentallon.com. Got some very engaging shows coming up. We've had some fantastic guests of late with brilliant responses from 75th episode with Sir John Hegarty, advertising legend, talking all things creativity in 2017. Absolute must listen show. Uh, the lovely Claudine O'Sullivan. 
Um, we had Annie Atkins, graphic designer for film, who kindly gave me some time in Dublin to talk about her journey. That's a banger too, so go back and listen to all of that good stuff. Please get me your suggestions over also. If you want to nominate yourself or tell me about a project you're doing, always happy to listen to that and take on suggestions. Got people popping in the studio all the time to talk about what they're doing, and I'm totally open to all of it. So please do let me know uh, and enjoy today's conversation with Neil Bennett. Editor of Digital Arts. Yeah, because it's going to be interesting. I think if Stefan Sabois so. is going to be yeah. an interesting choice if they yeah. have him on there, because after what happened, uh, um, oh, I can't remember the name of the conference last week. I saw this. Yeah, um, there's the one in New Zealand. Is it yeah. Web Source, Web Resource. I forget the name, but yeah. I saw the thing about it. Yeah, the controversy. <laughs> and it's kind of like, and he's, he's, the thing is though, I mean, it's not it's not the first time he's told, he's like told the story or anything. Or he's, it's yeah. just that now it's gone like, no, you, you just can't. But it yeah. was kind of interesting, though, that I thought that he was, you know, people were saying, oh, it's not appropriate for, for that kind of behaviour to happen uh, at a conference because, you know, people just turn up and they watch. They're not mm. expecting you. It's not like they've chosen to go and see Frankie Boyle or Richard, <laughs> you know, Ricky Gervais. That's very true, yeah. But then you kind of go, but he's headlining and it's Stefan Segmeister. Yeah. You kind of have almost, you know, turned up a, a Frankie Boyle type thing. Yeah. Um, if you go and see a, a, a talk by him, you expect it to be abrasive. It's almost like what you've what you've paid your money for. I think so. I definitely, there's certain people that I would interview, and I'd be, I'd be almost disappointed if they didn't. Have, maybe not offend, but if there wasn't something in there where I thought that's good. That's yeah, good. it's you like we've done some yeah. stuff with like, you know, with, like with Bingo. It's like you know, if, if yeah. you're going to do yeah. stuff with Mr. Bingo, then you know you're going to get a certain kind of performance yes. you know, from him. Case in point, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, it's not it's not it's, it's not all about the performance. It's about the fact that obviously he's also he's a very smart guy and he has a lot of insight into the industry. You know, we've done panels with him before. Uh, what was really interesting was that we were um, new designers. We did a panel and we had Rod Hunt and we had Mr. Bingo, mm. who have very different outlooks on yeah. the whole kind of creative process. Yeah. And it's you know you want some of their personality coming through because you want that debate going backwards and forwards about, you know, about their outlook on. on yeah, you, you know, uh, do you know you know Gordon Gordon Reed, don't you? Yeah, yeah. So, 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 uh, He's a character. I had, I had him on the show as well, and he was he's just great value. He's everything I expected. He's a very much a lad, but he's, he's yeah. a lovable kind of character. Yeah, yeah he's one of the things for us at the moment, actually, about um, yeah, working for free. Okay. Um, yeah, his, yeah. Uh, his opinion on what actually is, you know, what's acceptable and what's not. Mm. You know, it's an area where we, obviously we've written a lot about it. You have this kind of black and white line between you're supposed to say no to any kind of free work, but there are some times when. Yeah. It can so. be can be good for for, for you, gotcha. you know, if it's good for charity, if it's good for yeah, yeah those kind of things. Yeah. I've written, I've, I've done articles especially you know specifically on that about the the right sort of stuff. Rod talks about that as well. Although yeah. I had Rod on the show, and he was talking about that too about you know the difference between pro bono and, and just someone exploiting. You know, it's, yeah, I guess your red dag strengthens the more experience you gather to that end. Yeah, um, I think it's something where you know, I mean, we specifically choose not to write about some things, and even some things which you know a lot of. Creatives think are acceptable. With you know, there's a thing this morning. You know, last night they announced, uh, they announced the winner of the um, uh, Folio Society's book mm. illustration competition, and that's something where we've turned around and gone, we're not going to cover that because you're essentially asking artists to create something for free, um, and then one of them wins the chance to be in the books, and you're actually giving them a brief of a book and a size and a format. Most kind of design competitions, which we think are okay are the ones where you've probably created a piece of work already mm. or it could be something you're working on as a personal there's freedom within it to you, you know you, the um, design uh, the London Transport Museum's competition yeah. which is anything to do with uh, London Transport mm. or you know within a you know maybe there's a broad kind of like metaphorical theme to it but it's it's broad enough that you don't it's not you're giving a straight fixed brief of you must produce this in mm. this style exactly to this this you know very hard brief uh, or very sort of strict brief. That's where I think the dividing line comes. You know, I, I agree. I think so. I think yeah, it's a nice brief actually. That one. I think I only rented it once. It always seems to come at a time when I'm busy. I don't know the the, uh, the transport. But yeah. it's a nice. It is a good one. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I know people. I mean, I, you know, I, I know somebody who's uh, who's entered uh, a piece of work into that more than once, which I don't think you're supposed to do. No. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. um, but the idea is that you know, it's just like you know, they they say anything to do with London Transport, and you go, okay, well, I've, I've created this piece of work, and it fits yeah. within the, within the brief. You're not being asked to actually put hours in for for nothing. That's it. Yeah, you could recycle. Yeah. You could do something very quick. Well, you've you've, you've got some. Some some questions down here, so uh, yeah, yeah. So probably stop talking about that and move on to move on to the. Oh no, it's all good. Well, I mean, I thought let's start with the the. What's, what's your background? What's your personal background? Are you 
Creative Roots family? Um, not particularly. You know, my, my dad's an accountant. My mum was a nurse and you know worked, worked in a GP surgery. I think for me, I came into this industry kind of sideways. I was at university studying English Lit, mm. which, again, I completely ended up in by random. I was doing my, even when I was like looking at A-levels and going, okay, I've got no idea what I want to do. I'll do maths, physics and English because I tend to be quite good at them. Okay, do those. And then I'll go and I'll, you know, English was the one. I think it's more that I kind of, you know, certain teachers I had at A-level awoke a passion for English literature in me. Mm. And then I went to university to study that because I thought this is, you know, this is really something that I'm going to put time and effort and work into. Um, and I, you know, went through university and I came out at the end of it going... Okay, I've got a literature degree. What the hell do I do now? Do I go and set, you know, this is where I go off and write my novel, is it? Is this, is this the point in, yeah. in life where you, you, know, you go and do that? Uh, but I was looking around and, you know, opportunities to work in journalism came up. Mm. And it's not something I'd gone, right, okay, I've always wanted to be a journalist. I thought, I'll give that a try. Uh, and I found a job working for a small publisher, um, writing about web design. Um, and yeah, that was a you know, very small publication that lasted for for a while, and then the opportunity came to to move to what was called Digit back then, which is now Digital Arts. And yeah, I I, I saw the chance to write about a broader form of creativity, to walk, you know, to write as much about illustration as we are about visual effects. Mm. It's all kind of that's the thing I, which I really love about DA is we're not focused on one particular thing. Yeah, there are some fantastic illustration magazines out there, fantastic graphic design magazines out there, yeah. fantastic you know, websites about visual effects. But we want to talk about all of that because you can find inspiration anywhere. You, you, know, you can be an illustrator and watch the junk, new Jungle Book and be inspired by that. Or you, know, you could be working on, you know, on an animated film and you mm. see a style of illustration that just sparks something. You go, I wonder what that kind of thing would look like in motion. And it's just the ability to look at our whole everything that we do as a creative industries and find inspiration from that. That's what I really love about, about mm. DAs. And that's our ethos. It's always going to be... We're, ne- we, you know, we're never going to say, right, we're going to write a story about you know, the visual effects of you know, you know, whatever's going to win the Oscar, you know, Arrival. Mm. Or, um, and we're going to write that in a way that's, only, that's just for people who work in visual effects and use the vocabulary and the vernacular of people who work in those areas. We're going to write a story about that in a way that's accessible to a graphic designer who's living in Stoke or a, you know, a, yeah. you know, a, um, you know, a, an illustrator who's living in East London who doesn't know the difference between, you know, subsurface scattering and other kind of rendering technologies and doesn't really care. All they want to know is those creatures in arrival that, I don't know if, you, if, if you've seen it, but the, 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 the aliens in the film have this kind of weird, kind of very kind of um, organic, uh, almost smoke-like look to them, mm. and you just go, okay. I want to know why they did that. Why, you know, why does that look so good? Yeah, you know, yeah. Why do they want the the creatures to look like that? And then how did they do that? And that's something which is a, you know a big thing for, yeah. for DA. And it, it, well, it is. I mean, so how long? How long has Mag been going? Uh, so we started. Well, I, I joined in 1999. It'd been going for about three or four years then, and it was purely a print magazine. We had a website, but I think I wrote one story a, a week for yeah. it. Um, and then over time, I think it was about three or four years ago, we then closed the print magazine to focus purely online. Mm. And it was one of those things where you're selling like 20,000 copies of a magazine and you're getting four to five million people coming to your website and you, you go, where am I going to spend my time? Yeah. Which of these audiences, you know, I've got a finite number of hours in the day, especially yeah. now, between, you know, I've got three kids in my life. I have a very finite number of hours in the day. Yeah. Um, and it's something where we went, okay, online is, is where to go. And it also allows us to tell stories in different ways. We do a lot more video now. We, you know, we do video interviews. We do, mm. you know, um, you know, we do a lot of stuff where we're using visuals to explain stories in a way that you can't do in print. And I yeah. do miss print. You know. yeah. it, it was amazing having a print magazine. Yeah. But it's very, very difficult to make money out of. It's you know it's for a lot of people I know who work in print it's 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 a passion project mm. you know it's something which is great you know if you want to do it as a kind of fanzine type thing yeah that's that's fantastic um, but actually making money out of it and yeah. you know although obviously I'm in this, this job because I love it yeah I am employed by a very large um, American just just been bought by the Chinese publishing company um, which you know the job is to make is to make a profit yeah. 
ultimately, it, yeah. Yeah, and we, you know, if, if if there's no profit, there's no jobs, and all mm. the people that, that write for us, uh, yeah. yeah, don't don't have anything to do. That's very true. But it's something which, you know, for me personally, you know, it's given me an outlet to also be creative as well, as well as being a writer and editor. And, uh, you know, I'm a creative director on commercial campaigns. We've done stuff for AMD, Wacom, um, Adobe, all those kind of people. We've yeah. actually done, you know, commercial stuff for them as well. And also I'm kind of a designer as well in the sense that I also look after user experience and design of, of all of our kind of what we call our c- c- consumer sites, uh, which are, you know, it's digital arts, but it's also some of our tech sites, um, Tech Advisor, Macworld and, and um, PC Advisor, which are the kind of sites which you go to for buying advice. If you type best phone into uh, <laughs> into Google because you want to find out what the best phone is, more than likely you'll end up on one of our sites. Okay, yeah. And then you'll go and, you know, yeah. and, you know, kind of the, the user experience of that uh, is, is, is an interesting thing. We try to balance advertising and making money through, you know, sales uh, and journalism as well, yeah. and trying to do the whole thing. Yeah. So yeah, it's kind of a, I, I basically have two, you know, two, three, four roles here. Yeah. But I think that's quite normal. You know, it's, a, yeah. I think it's the same for you. You know, you know, you're a, you're a designer, Project. you're an illustrator, and you're doing your podcast and you're well, a speaker. And to you're that a, point, I mean, to the, the reason I asked about the time frame of the magazine is not kind of just to, the, the sort of love or you know, easy question. I was specifically asking because I'm, I'm really interested in that 1999 to 2017. What what a time period for for the digital arts. Yes, yeah. it's, it's nuts. I mean, the things that you've probably seen happen, like the explosion in technology over that time. Yeah. I mean, for what you cover now, is it probably close to infinite in terms yeah. of the, the sheer amount of things happening? But yeah, t- yeah. I mean, I mean, technology has come on so far that it's no longer about you know, is does the technology exist to let me do that? You look at you know, you know most of the Hollywood films these days. You know, you very rarely see a big visual effects blockbuster which is all about you know the the intricacy or the accuracy of how they can model a transformer it's how beautiful can it be you know it's yeah. it's the interstellar space you know kind of like time warp effect it's mm. the um you know it's it's a rival making aliens seem you know very very alien i suppose it is the word but somehow having some personality to them it's it's that kind of the ability to bring to stop worrying it as, as being technology on its own for its own sake but technology to actually create something amazing, which has an emotional effect on the on the reader, on the on the viewer, on the you mm. know, however you however you respond to stuff. That's what um, you know. That that kind of thing is, I suppose. You know, it, it, it's 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 a really good time to be a creative because the tools allow you much more easily to yeah. actually create what you want and yeah. create something that can have a real impact. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, it, the democratisation of tools means that loads more people can do it, which has its upside and its, its yes. downside. I remember seeing Quentin Tarantino doing a talk at Adobe Max last, last year, and he was saying, you know, it's brilliant that somebody who lives in the projects in Chicago can pick up a video camera and create something which they would never have had a chance to do yeah. back in you know, the 1950s or whatever. But it's also terrible that anybody, no matter how <laughs> lacking in talent they are, yeah. can also pick up a, you know, a video camera and create something. So yeah. you know, it has its challenges. You know, we get sent a lot of stuff through um, from people. And obviously, we, you know, part of our job is curatorial. And that yeah. does mean wading through a hell of a lot of rubbish. Yes. To to get to the the great stuff. Yeah. But it does mean that we've seen great stuff coming from from anywhere. Yeah. You know, when I first started, press releases might turn up on a piece of paper. Yeah. With a you know, and you might get a, like a little transparency with a, of pictures that you would then you know <laughs> you'd have an art worker who would scan it in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, God, those you know those those, those, those things seem crazy. You, know, you talk to my kids about that kind of thing, and they have no idea what that would what would be like the world before the internet. Yeah. The ability to send projects. Yeah. But. Do you, think, do you think it's forced? Um, have you seen some quite innovative responses to that? To that, the sort of that thing where now you mentioned that you're forced to rise above the, the crowd, so to speak. Uh, you know, you you now have to, to work a little harder to stand out. Have you seen? Yeah. Have you seen some quite innovative responses to, to, to that think, end? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of like, I suppose it's knowing how to present a project like that. If somebody's sending me something and they want me to write about it. You've got to grab my attention very, very quickly, mm-hmm. uh, and it's got to be you know something where the visual is arresting. Uh, if it's a motion project, it's spending the time to actually choose the right still because mm-hmm. when I see it, it's going to be still, or it's just got to have a concept that's really you know that's somehow going to make you go, "Wow, I want to write about that." There was one a couple of days ago from um, uh, UN's Women Project in Egypt where um, 
uh, a company called, uh, it's a Japanese company, IC4 Design, whose style is kind of similar to, to Rod Hunt's. It's that kind of Where's Wally-esque, yeah. super detailed imagery. Uh, and they were doing a piece about the lack of um, diversity and lack of women in politics and technology uh, in science, specifically in, in Egypt. But that's something that obviously extends every, everywhere. So their, their, their concept that was, you've got this you know, kind of where's Wally thing, but you're trying to find the woman. In the middle of thousands, or hundreds of, of men, and that you just go, yeah, I've got to write about that. Yes. And it's great that the art is good, you know, and uh, you know, but if but the concept is something where you, you know, I tell you that, and you go, right, yeah, I, I want to know about that. That's such yeah, a really, really it's the good hook, idea. It's the hook, isn't it? That's that's the classic thing. It's like like you say, people's time now, especially someone such as yourself as an editor. Uh, is is precious and and, yeah. and demand in demands all the time. You said like four roles or whatever it was. Yeah. It, you don't have a lot you know, time to sit there probably reading an essay of an email. I imagine it's very no. much it, the job. Did, maybe even the subject line is where the, the hard work's got yeah. to be done. Well, because obviously, you know, obviously, some people. If I get an email from you, then I'm going to check it out because I know you. And I know you're really talented. Yes. Yeah. You know, if I get an email from you know, there's one that I got through today, and it said uh, it's a project for Byron that Andrew Ray's working on. Yeah, I'm going to go and have a look at that, mm. of course. Um, but if you're less well known, or you're, you don't, you know, you don't have those kind of relationships or network with with you know journalists already. Yeah, it sometimes it can be as simple as like going, okay, let's get the yeah tuning the subject line mm. down perfectly. Yeah, we don't expect people to write us, you know, especially as most you know, illustrators, especially uh, are independent. Yeah, they're freelancers. They don't have a PR company working on their yeah. behalf. We don't expect like you know, massive amounts of words, but we don't need it. We just need once you see the work. You know, occasionally I still get crazy emails going. Somebody going, "Oh yeah, I'm writing. A, I've got done this new project. Can I show you? Send you some images to have a look at." So I just include the images to begin with. <laughs> yeah, don't ask if you can. I mean, I know it's a nice courtesy, but you're just doubling the, everyone's yeah, efforts. Yeah, like just show me the images. You know, people go, "Oh yeah," or get phone calls from somebody going, "Yeah, we, we've just done this branding project for a client. Uh, do you want to write about it?" It's like, show it to me because that's when I'll know. Because <laughs> I'll know if it's good or if it's shit. Um, are we allowed to swear on this? I'd have to check. Yeah, it's, it's, there's no filters on the show, so I love about it. Yeah. Okay, that's good. <laughs> Within reason, obviously. <laughs> I just, yeah. I've been on other, other, uh, you know, uh, our own kind of like tech podcast um, here, here at RDG, and uh, yeah, been told off for swearing too much. So, no, there's, there's very few. There's, I mean, profanity is fine. I never edit that out. There's only been the odd little thing where I think maybe that's a little bit. Edgy. And there's only been very, very seldom that's happened, but, yeah. but very funny when it has. And you know, it kind of pains me to take it out. But I think I can't quite get away with that. <laughs> yeah, I think if it's libelous, which I'm not planning to libel anybody um, while I'm here, uh, then yeah, I think yeah. obviously you, you take that out. Or uh, yeah, if, if I reveal any secrets which are under embargo, which is unlikely because I don't really know any secrets. No. <laughs> Government secrets, state secrets, that kind of thing. So how many people are currently working digital arts? So in-house, it's a, it's a very small team. We've essentially got, um, I would say, two and two halves because mm. we share, we, we're part of a combined editorial team. Um, but we do use a big web and network of, of freelancers. Yeah. And that's because we have such a diverse base. You know, If we're going to be writing about visual effects and I'm going to be going out to people like Michael Burns, you know, if it's going to be writing about you know, um, illustration stuff, then Lisa Hassel from Inky Goodness is, always delivers amazing stuff. Because I can't be a specialist in all those areas. Mm. It's making sure that, okay, yeah, if, I, I've, if we want a brilliant um, photography tutorial, um, it's gonna, I'm going to go to Tick Rice because I'm not a photographer, and I'm certainly not that good at uh, Photoshop. Mm. So it's making sure those those people um, and getting people, you know, like something to, to, you know, you've you've, you've written like, opinion pieces for us before, yeah. You? Yeah, getting to, you know people to write opinion pieces for us, whether that's you know you or um, yes, early in the week I met up with um, Andrew Dobson from uh, from Wolf Hollins and talking about what's happening with UX and design at the moment, uh, with, with, you know, to do with um, you know, kind of like. Uh, what do they call it? AI-driven technology, so chatbots and, yeah. and Amazon Alexa and all this kind of way that that's working with brands at the moment. And uh, he's going to be contributing a piece about that as well. It's kind of that's something where you know having lots of diverse opinions is also really important to us mm. as well. It's making sure that we're you know it's not just us writing what we see as journalists. Our job is to find those voices yeah. and make sure that they're represented in the site. And then, you know, we do do some, some serious in-depth reporting as well. Um, I don't get as much to, chance to do it as well, but uh, Miriam Harris, who's been working with us for about the last six months, uh, is doing some great stuff to do with diversity at the moment. Um, she's also writing about um, 
uh, some stuff to do with disability. Those are two big kind of key mm. t- key areas for for the year ahead. I think. Yeah. Um, it's something where we just did a, a big vox pop um, of people within kind of, um, sort of branding agencies and design agencies, uh, asking them about you know what's the big thing for for 2017 and. I would say that two thirds of the answers were to do with diversity mm. and how our industry needs to change. Um, but it's now sort of moved on beyond just writing about so, or just talking about what people should be doing. It's now talking to companies about what how they're putting diversity okay. you know, yeah. into practice. You know, it's talking yeah. to us too. It's talking to Wolf Holland and going, "What are you actually doing yeah. to actually get a more diverse um, mm. yeah, workforce?" So, what are the issues at hand? I mean, what, what, where's what, what is the whole thing with diversity at the moment? I mean, what, where would we say it's lacking? And, and yeah, I mean, it's just that, you know, I mean, women are definitely, uh, you know, underrepresented uh, in the industry. Um, but it's also, there is a definitely uh, a lack of what, you know, in Britain you call BAME, uh, you know, people with black, Asian, uh, you know, minority ethnic um, areas, or, you know, what Americans will call people of colour. Mm. Um, and it's, you know, there is a definitely, our industry needs to do more to get more people not you know, firstly in through the door, and then to get more people into higher, pla- you know, kind of like, um, you know, kind of into the higher echelons of, of these kind of agencies, mm. because you know it is generally you know it, you know the creative industries are still a very much a white male middle class. Yeah, oh, that might be me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I am part of the problem. I'm quite sure. <laughs> But it's something we noticed. I mean, last year when we did our big kind of, you know, the, the, the same feature we did, you know, what's going to be hot in 2017 uh, and what are the big issues of, 20, uh, of 2017. Uh, and we, you know, as well as kind of asking individuals who we knew, we asked agencies and got them to put forward people. Um, and we, we looked at the list afterwards and it was, you know, a very much a white middle class, you know, mm. men with beards and glasses um, <laughs> kind of makeup. And it was something where we went, Okay, we need to do more about that. And then we realised that we thought, okay, well, that must be on us for not asking, asking too many women. Then we looked back, and it was actually with the individuals we'd approached. It was about a fifty-fifty split, men and women. Um, but the women didn't respond. You know, they didn't. They were I don't know, too busy or had other things going on. And then we went, okay, well, we, what we're going to have to do is make more of an effort for for this year. So we will, we, when we speak to these agencies, we say to them, you know, we want you know, it's kind of people who, who are especially interested in people's opinions from people who are from a BME background or from, you know, who mm. are or female, and push them to do that. And that does seem to be the representative of the way that the creative industries as a whole are, folk, are, are, are dealing with this. It is by going, okay, we need to make sure that we're hiring. We're not just trying to be, you know, equal in everything we do. It's we are trying. We're going to make a special effort mm. to try and hire more women, more people from those kind of backgrounds. Um, also, yeah, more people from from a working class background, more people from the north of England, rather than just going. Okay, we're going to get an intern who can afford to live in London, and yeah. then after that internship, we might give them the job. Mm. It's actually doing specific things to 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 try and change the industry. And it seems like an especially poignant time to do that. I mean, just politically and everything that's that's been well documented. Um, you know, there's a, a lot of uh, it's, it's sadly given voice to a lot of assholes, quite frankly. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think our industry can play a big role in 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 sort of t- you know combating that. Yeah, I oh. think. Uh, would you agree with that? Definitely. I mean, it's something where it's not just who we who we hire; it's also what we create. It's yeah. the people that we put. You know, if you're a designer, it's the the photo shoots that you you know you do and the model that you choose or the the stock photography that you buy. Mm. It's making sure that those are representative of the world that we live in, and you know you don't just go. And it also, I suppose, it's also educating clients because we've all had, heard horror stories of talking to clients and you've you know presented a piece of work and they've gone, oh, there's too many black people in this, or you know those kind of like clients from hell horror stories that you <laughs> that you hear. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I suppose it's it's on us to turn around and go. No, that's you know, this, mm. is, this is this is you know 2017. This is a modern society. Yeah. But also say that this you know if you speak to you know in a way that's accessible to a diverse community, um, then you are going to get more response, mm. and you will sell more things to people. Yeah. There, there is a business case for this to to, to pitch to clients as well. Yeah. yeah, I think so. I mean, it also just feeds into. 
what makes the creative industries great is that so many things inform it and so many influences yeah. and, and I don't think you can ever have too much yeah you have to step back and let those sink into the subconscious mind just speaking from a personal perspective but the more people from so many different backgrounds communities whatever it is um it can only be a great thing for for the industry, and then the the reach this industry has, as we said, that, then that just goes yeah untold distances, you know. I suppose it's, you know our job, yeah, uh, you know, when we're designing something or creating something, is to influence people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, generally that influence is to buy something. Yeah. Um, you know, that's the the nature of the you know the marketing advertising world that we we, we generally work within. Um, but yeah, we can alongside that, we can also influence them to you know be more respectful to others. Yeah, we hope. Yeah, that, that would be nice anyway. <laughs> it's all positive stuff. Um, and you, you mentioned the UX thing. I'm going to ask you a very layman question here. I'm very in the dark with it. I get people that message me on LinkedIn yeah. about UX, and I'm still. Can you give me a very a, a very basic insight into what it actually is? To begin yeah, with? I mean, it's you know, it's one of those things where it's it's become a very broad phrase to mean a lot of different things. But generally, it's when you go to a website or an app. You know, design is how it looks. UX is how it works. That's just the terminology of of that kind of industry where we've got decided to just go. You know, these are both forms of design, but you've got aesthetic and you've got you know you've got user experience. So if you go onto you know the Uber app, it's about having a seamless process. You know, where you go, okay, right, okay, it knows I'm here. Mm. I need a car. Okay, click a button. I can see that it's four minutes away. And it's about that being you know, really super simple or some of the stuff. We've got stuff on our tech sites which are to do with, um, you know, which kind of, I don't know, well, yesterday, which is the best phone out there, you know, which we've mentioned before. And we've got a thing where you can look at the phone and then we've got a, a, a widget on the page which helps you find the best deal. And the user experience of that or the UX design of that is making it super simple mm. so that somebody can go through and go, this is what I care about. Uh, and helps them find the right and pushes pushes them. But they, you know, you, we all know when we want a phone. We all have different ideas of what's important to us when, when we're going to upgrade our phone. You know, we get a new contract or whatever. And yeah. You go. I am always on bloody Twitter and Facebook, so I'm I need unlimited data or whatever. Uh, but so, um, so other people will go. Actually, the most important thing is price. Yeah. So it's just giving them the tools to kind of filter those things down, and that's that's essentially you know, user, user experience is just. It's being it's creating things which are generally helpful to yeah. people, but you know it's not the the UX is is the non-static part of it. It's how it works, mm. how you progress through something, uh, and the, you know, how it delivers to you on that on that end. Yeah, and it's it's a different way of working. I know that it's you know it's something which a lot of people who come from a kind of traditional graphic design background um, find find difficult because you're not thinking in terms of flat layouts. But there is a kind of user experience even to, to a way, the way you tell a story. If you think of a magazine, the way that your eye is guided from yes. page to page is, is a form of, of user experience, where you position the text so that it naturally flows. Mm. So it becomes a pleasurable reading experience is itself a, a form of user and it's experience. And it's a very subtle thing, isn't it, as well? It, doesn't, it, it probably shouldn't be allowed. The, the, the more you, you're actually unaware of great UX probably yeah. means that it's doing its job most effectively. Yeah, I mean, great, great UX is... is um, it should be invisible. It's the old, it's the old quote. Mm. Yeah, you don't realise that it's happening. Yeah. I mean, yes, there are some bad things within that as well. You know, there are, you know, you get some some dodgy. I mean, you know, there's a great site called Dark, you know, Dark Patterns, which shows you ways that people try to use that to manipulate you in some sort of Darren Brown esque. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. To try and get you to you know to hide terms and conditions and try yeah. and get you to sign up for something without telling you that it's going. You know, you'll, you'll, you'll get a, fir- a free month, but not tell you that actually after a month you're going to start paying fifty. I got done by Amazon Prime with that. Yeah, I had no idea that I was a member on that. And that I was paying for the damn thing, and then you know I cancelled it, and I only paid for what I'd use. But I thought, you bastards! I don't yeah. ever recall doing that. <laughs> no, there was one. There was one. Yeah, there was a famous one last year where they were caught. Yeah, doing that, and it was yeah that you. you know, I mean, obviously, there is always going to be underhanded marketing of course, techniques. Doesn't matter what it is, uh, but it's. I suppose again, it's it's our responsibility as an intri- as an industry to not do that. To, mm. you know, to 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 because you, it's not good business in the long run. You know, being being evil when it comes to manipulating people does, only works for a short period of time because it's you know the Amazon thing. You spot that and you go, your, your trust in Amazon gets diminished by that. Yeah. You know, behaving well, having being you know being a responsible 
brand yes. is so important because, you know, social media and everything, you hear about those kind of stories and you go, I'm never going to trust them. Yeah. And the public uh, conversations you see when someone's like, a parcel's not turned up and you yeah. see the conversation on Twitter with the organisation, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> And it seems to be, I mean, with that, you know, a lot of those companies seem to have done a very good job of separating their brand from um, the delivery thing. Yeah. This is something I find quite weird. It's possibly going off on a tangent, so we can cut this out if we need to. <laughs> but the whole idea is, if something doesn't turn up on time, you don't blame Amazon necessarily, or John Lewis, or mm, whoever. DHL. You blame, it, yeah, it's DHL, or DPD, <laughs> or Yodel, and you go... And it's kind of like, they've, they've, because you know that that company's delivering it, you don't, it's kind of like, Wait a second, I should be getting annoyed at Amazon for using these people, or yeah. for, or you know, I should be getting annoyed at John Lewis for not really hammering it through to their subcontractor that, that this is a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, that's very true, actually. Yeah, outsourcing, outsourcing the blame. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so, what about in terms of digital arts and in, yeah. in terms of UX? Now that you've gone entirely digital, um, has there been a lot more focus on the UX side of things yeah, in d- terms I- of what you do? Definitely. I mean, it's something where I think for us, it's, you know, there, there are very basic ways to tell a story online where you can go, OK, well, I have a big image at the top and a headline and then I have some text and I might just pop some pictures in there. Mm. Um, and sometimes it feels a bit like it's, uh, you know, some of the old days of graphic design, magazine design, where the pictures are just there to break up the text. Mm. Um, and you kind of, you know, you're, you're not thinking about how they work together. And that's where we, we started now I think it's a case where we try and tell a story and you go through it in a sequence and those uh, you know as you, the things you encounter on the way it may be a paragraph of text it may be a, an image helps tell the story you kind of go through it and you go you know you're writing about a um, you know I don't know there was a thing uh, yesterday to do with um, uh, the animation sequences within a monster calls and um it was kind of explaining, okay, well, this is how it's, uh, you know, how they created one particular part of that. And we're kind of going, okay, well, this is what they, the process that they went through. Oh, and here's an animation of how it was done. And it's kind of like you're telling a story through words, images, video, in a way that's kind of one cohesive whole rather than a, a load of text with mm. images kind of hung around it. Um, so that's, yeah, that's been a, a big thing for us. Video is another thing as well. We know that there are certain people who are better on camera than others yeah and it's again the user experience i suppose is us choosing whether we do a filmed interview with that person whether we do a phone interview with that Mm. person it's not about you know oh we should do a phone interview because they're you know it's quicker or you know they're kind of it's about going you know what if we're going to talk to sorry if we're going to talk to nadine shaheen from monotype who is a brilliant person on camera well, I want to do every single interview on camera because she's such a passionate speaker about typography yeah. and um, the issues that she really cares about, and she's great on camera. So you go, okay, that person. Whereas you get other people um, who are more shy, uh, especially. I mean, illustration is one of those industries that does seem to kind of attract shy people who like to sit on their own in a room and, and draw. <laughs> um, then you go, you know. Then those people, you go, okay, well, I'll sit down with you, and I will, you know, yes. I, I will, you know, we'll write up the piece, and we'll fill in, fill in the blanks, and we'll help you to to tell that story. Because mm. it's, you know, our job is to help those people tell talk about what they're interested in, and yeah. our job is to make it the best possible thing for that. You know, we don't. Yeah. If it does nobody any benefits, and it's obviously morally wrong almost to, if we were to just, you know, film an interview with somebody who's not comfortable being on camera, because mm. they'll get embarrassed. It makes them look bad, and it's just. Yeah, it's not right. I think there's a valuable story in that actually that that, that more anyone, any independent designer, anyone can look at what, what, exactly what you've just said there about the sort of best format. And to an earlier point about now the the, the sort of widened availability of, of technology. So to that end, what, are there any sort of standout or good examples of, of um, what's the question here? The way that people have whether it's collaborated or used a certain technology or something quite striking that you maybe wouldn't have expected. Are there any good examples of that? Um, I think a lot of the times, it, I think actually, this is, because it, the VFX industry is one of the best at doing that, um, in doing this kind of behind-the-scenes reels, showing the process. I think when it comes to illustration, um, yeah, we'll ask for sketches and you know, when we want to write yeah. about projects and people go, I don't know if I've still got those. Where did I put them? It's like if that's because people want to see that process. Mm. They want to see the you know, how you came to that that step. 
yeah, if you look at, say, you know, the behind-the-scenes video that uh, Industrial Light Magic just released for how they did um, Tarkin in uh, the new Rogue One film, mm. you know, you can see the process they went through to recreate um, Peter Cushing in, in CG. This probably isn't a spoiler for the movie, but, you know, I think, I think everyone's aware of that by <laughs> right now, that there is a CG... Sorry if I spoiled it. Um, but, yeah, if, if you know, you, they show the steps they go through to, to do this... And that's the thing, that's what we want to see when we're writing about stories. It's like, okay, this was the brief that you were given, or this was the idea, the mm. concept that you had. And, you know, these are the steps that you go through to get that. It's not just about the, f- the finished work. It's giving our readers the understanding of how you got there yes. in, in the first place. The journey and the story, yeah. It's always about the stories. I mean, a good friend of mine um, has a... He has an you know original storyboard, uh, a Star Wars storyboard framed on his wall. You know, it's, it's geek yeah. magic, but it, it's that's... That's ultimately what it comes down to, isn't it? Because we're all, I guess we're all geeks of some degree in this industry. Uh, we all, we've all got the things that we really love. And that's the thing, is what you want is that step beyond. And you want to see um, something that not everyone else has got. Yeah. And you want to, you want to, you know, what, what sets it apart, I guess that's what it comes down to. And those little yeah. intricacies can really do that. It's also what you can learn which helps your own practice. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's not about copying somebody else. It's about being inspired by something they've done. And going, oh, if I did it a bit more like, you know, this thing I'm working on, if I did it a little bit more like that, mm. it would be, you know, it would enhance my own practice. We've all got, we're all trying to get better at what we're doing. I'm trying to be a better journalist, a better designer. You know, you're, you're the same, I'm guessing. You, you're, you're, you're always trying to produce all the time. better yeah. things. And anything, you, the ability to learn from each other. And this is, a, you know, this is a community. The creative industries is a community. Yeah, we don't generally hide what we do. We're not trying to go, oh, if I tell somebody about this, they might steal it or do something, mm. you know, something like that I mean yeah that does happen sometimes you know there is you know I've seen I do get sent you know pieces of work where a company probably you know a client wanted something in the style of a big name illustrator and yeah. didn't want to pay the money for it so they've mm. got somebody to do a kind of knockoff version and yeah sometimes people get cautious about about revealing how they work with their creative process, especially with specifically specific art styles, I suppose, because they don't want you know to be copied like that. Mm. But generally, you know, we have all these kind of networking events. We have things like Glug where we're all going to get together and talk about the yeah. industry that, we, that we're in and share ideas and share the issues that we're going through. Mm. And, you know, share kind of like you know what's what's important right now. I'm guessing, yeah, the same same is probably true for you, isn't it? Yeah, kind of like you. For sure, yeah. I was at the Uilla talk in the week with um, Stanley Chow and Jenny Sparks were on there. It was, and it's great. You get it's this like we all come out of our caves for one night, you know. And yeah. it's, and it's <laughs> and it, but it's great because you really do leave feeling quite inspired. And, and it, like you said, there the community thing is so important. And it's certainly for me that was the romantic part of it. And it's why I wanted to go to art college. And it's why I wanted to to do this because that that idea of working with other interesting creative people is what you know without that it'd be a shadow of what it is yeah and it's something where learning to be able to you know collaborate and create is something which you know it, it's it's weird it's something i see in my own children you know there's so much stuff at school about learning facts learning rote learning times tables learning numeracy mm. literacy all this kind of stuff and less seems to be on the creative side and also less seems to be on the collaborative side you know nobody very few people work and sit on their own it's all about being able to work. So even you know, if you're an illustrator sitting at home, you've still got to have a, be able to have a working relationship with a client. Yeah. You know, a different, you know, a variety of clients from the mm-hmm. nice to the nasty, from the you know, know exactly what they want and can articulate it to the one you have to sit there for half an hour and almost tease out what they, <laughs> yeah, you know, what what, yeah. what they want. And those kind of communication skills come from from that. Yeah. And it's something which, you know, I think it's something we, we have, just to go again slightly off on a tangent, it's something we have to be careful in the next generation of artists, mm. you know, is, is giving them the chance to learn those kind of skills. I, I think so. I think, yeah, there, that's, there certainly has to be emphasis on that. It's more as important as ever before with, uh, you know, the sort of solitude that technology can bring. You know, it's important to keep using that in ways that, that stops that from happening. Yeah. Um, have you noticed boundaries between disciplines coming down I mean you know, like, like we said you've been doing this since 99 yeah. I, I see it all the time myself I'm wondering if from your perspective as running a, a magazine that covers a lot of this stuff is that happening in a big way now with, with the things that were afforded I th- yeah I mean it's certainly you know I mean illustrators getting into animation is possibly nothing I mean that, that's been going on for, for quite a while mm. but it just seems to be that people are and now if we've gone beyond the fact that the idea that oh all illustrators need to be animators 
And it's almost like we're slightly coming back from that in that we're going, some illustrators are also great animators. Mm. If you look at the gifts that Julian Glander's doing and stuff like that, he's great at making these funny, very, very odd Mm. gifts that work as as an illustrator or as as an animator. But then if you look at some other illustrators... um, Oh, we were interviewing Hattie Stewart, and she was working on some animations um, and was asked to do some animated versions of her stuff. And she worked with uh, an animator to take her work yeah. because she's a, she doesn't need to learn how to be an animator. Mm-hmm. She may not feel that she wants to or she's any good at it or whatever. Um, but it's more the fact of like if you if you know that you that's not what you want to do, then collaboration is what is the way to do it. Yes, you know it's not the fact that you, you if you're an illustrator you must know how to do mm. it. It's like if you'd like doing it do it yeah if you're good at it do it if not work with somebody else yeah so it's one second it's getting over a cold at the moment so oh yeah <laughs> I, I find it t- uh, tremendously exciting I'm, I'm really well been working on three-dimensional objects at the moment and where that goes from here I really don't know and that's very exciting to me I, I have a great love of film, film literature so, so many influences and I think um I worked with a 3D printer for branding this show uh, I walked into someone's studio I saw the 3D printer going got ridiculously excited about the possibility of painting or drawing directly onto 3D prints, and I managed, and, and I was able to make that happen really quite affordably. Yeah, and that's very exciting to me. You know, it's uh, happening everywhere. I think it's not just the kind of the technology, although sorry, it's not just the, the affordability. I think it's the fact that the technology and the way that it works has become more accessible to designers. Mm. You know, 3D used to be a weird world of very odd vernacular, and you know, it would take a lot of time. You know, you show most people, most designers or illustrators a copy of Maya, and they wouldn't know where to start. But then, if you look at tools like Cinema 4D. It's a lot more accessible. It speaks to you, and it's in a language which, if you're used to using After Effects, you're going to get. In fact, you get a free version of Cinema 4D with After Effects. So there's a natural progression as mm. you as you as you work through those tools. Um, yeah, there are other kind of 3D tools within you know Illustrator which you can start creating stuff with. You don't necessarily have to go right. I've got to go and do a two-year course. Uh, you know. Birkbeck or something, or, or, you, know, or um, you know, to to learn how to be uh, an animator or something no. like that. You know, you can start, and that a lot of that is just learning the interfaces of things like Maya. Yeah. Yes, there are the specialist worlds out there of animation and visual effects and stuff like that, uh, which are do have their own very very specialised way of working and tools and you know vocabulary and you know kind of pr- creative process. But there's so much more you can do as if you know how to use you know Adobe tools. Mm. Um, so that's something you know you can get you can be a designer and get into UX design by going from you know using InDesign to Adobe XD yeah and the, you know the, the the way that they work at least in terms of like the the, the interface and the process are very very similar mm. so it's it's a lot easier to make that step gradually without having to go right I'm gonna have to go and learn how to be a you know, CG artist. Well, yeah, the, yes, that's the, it's, it's the the whole thing. The specialists and everything, but like you said, it's, we can dip in and, and kind of use what we need to use. Yeah. Now, which is great. As someone at the this is a very off the wall question, but as yeah. someone who's um, at the forefront of, of seeing all the you know the new things as just by the virtue of your job, is there anything that freaks you out? Are we going to be taken over by robots or AI? Um. <laughs> I don't know. Actually, it was with. I was having a conversation with uh, from Andy from Wolf Hollands about this earlier in the week. Actually, the thing that we have very, very access to very, very powerful technologies. Um, there are things which, but they have an impact on us. You know, there we have the ability to design interfaces of apps which make you know them so easy to use that somehow sometimes we forget what they're actually for. Um, one example was um, you know Tinder. It's very easy to kind of swipe. When you know, kind of like to to meet people, and they found that people were just literally just sitting there, and just somebody did some research, and somebody was people just swiping through, and not really looking. It's almost like the act of swiping was so easy that, that people never stopped to look at who the person was mm. that was in that. Um, it's the same way. You know, if you look at, uh, I don't know if you've been watching Mr. Robot, but the Amazon Alexa. Uh, I haven't. I'm told it's brilliant. It is. It is an, an amazing TV show. But there's one bit in the second series where you got a character who has a the only kind of real relationship in her life is with her Amazon Echo, where she's talking to it. And there's one bit where she's going, you know, Alexa, which is the name of the the, the voice, the character that lives inside it, uh, inside the the Echo. Um, you know, so you know, Alexa, do you love me? And it's kind of like representative of a, of a disconnect between yeah. technology. So I think everything that we do has a social impact. Everything that we design uh, has a social impact. 
um, it, we have to just consider that and think about that and look also look at when we build something how is that going to affect somebody and if we see it having a detrimental effect rein it back in mm. you know we don't want to be creating things which make the world a more horrible place no know? that's very true so with social media how much is that to, to blame for the rise of Donald Trump and Brexit and all that kind of stuff yeah yeah there's, there's a lot to be said about that yeah and that's, I think that's the thing it's the grander questions of of, yeah, yeah, of of how what we do and how that impacts society. Mm. It's a good point because I, I always champion the, the the worth of you know creativity in the creative industries. I just finished a two part special on mental health and creativity uh, on the show. I talked to yeah. Calm and a lot of a lot of really broad panorama of, of people in the creative industries are just doing things with creativity. Um, but yeah, it's something I didn't really consider too much. But the, but it's the editing almost, you know, what we don't do it actually, and what we pull back. That's quite an interesting way to look at that too, because I think creativity is going to have an increasingly important role on, you know, in society to, to spread the right message, for example. But yeah, the the, the editing and the, and the pulling it back is actually yeah. as as important. But there is, you know, I want to say it's all going to be negative. There is some, you know, some of the stuff that's going on in virtual reality. Is amazing. Oh, God, yeah. You know, some of the things that they've been doing, um, autism's an, an area which I have, uh, my, my son's on the autistic spectrum, and, uh, you know, he's very, very interested in technology, he's very, very interested in virtually, he tried, got to try out Tilt Brush for the first time last weekend oh, at the Geek Festival in, in uh, Dreamland in Margate. And, you know, the ability for the creative tools to allow people who are, have, you know, kind of different. You know neurologies to to the to the rest of us um, to to actually you know participate in the world and create stuff and build stuff in a way that's you know was maybe wasn't possible like you know ten years mm. ago or whatever is 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 amazing. Absolutely. You know, there's there is so much to be excited about, and I you know I just want to make sure I said that because obviously we're talking about the the, the scary stuff and the negative yeah. stuff, but it's just because we have this potential. There is so much you can do with this right now, mm. and you can have so much impact. And some of that, some of that can be brilliant, and some of that can be, yeah, you know, can be terrible. Yeah, it's no, it's, it's no, up to us, and often we won't know what that thing will be until it's actually happened. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? Yeah. So it's it's looking at afterwards and going, what was what really, you know, what did that do? You think, oh, I've created something that works really easily, mm. but if it's just getting people not to actually sit and think, then it's you know, I mean, there was some research that came out last year to do with um, it people reading on Kindles versus people reading on books. And it's actually easier for your eyes to read a Kindle than it is to read a, a formal book. Yeah. But you don't take as much information in. Actually, making your brain work hard actually makes things stick in your head. So as, as designers, especially with things like UX, making things too easy often has the kind of detrimental effect of making people forget that they're, they're, that they're there. Yeah. So... Uh, but yeah, sorry. That again, off on a bit of a tangent. No, there, tangents are good. Tangents are what makes this show interesting. I like to think. <laughs> so, what's coming up? Anything exciting um, that you're covering at the minute, or anything in the pipeline? I mean, I know, I know we talked about the UX and diversity stuff, or anything. Anything yeah. of personal kind of that's getting you excited? Um, I think the big thing for us at the moment, actually, I suppose, is is the whole idea of disability first which came from a conference in London last year. And we're just... So within sort of mobile design, or sorry, within sort of website design, you have this idea of mobile first. So when you're going to design a website for somebody, you will go and, you know, you will start off with how it will work on a phone. And then as you... It's a very good practice to do that and then kind of build it up into the full website. That you, so you don't end up with a website that's got so many bits and things mm. going on that you can't really, can't really use it. Um, so, but one of the things that we're hearing a lot about now is the idea of doing disability first. So you design a website or an app for people with disabilities first, and then you add additional functions on for people who are who have, you know, have, uh, you know, kind of um, have full abilities, and then to do the mobile site, and then you move on to, to doing it. And the idea being that if something's simple enough for somebody who's got vision impairment or you know neurodiversity like like autism to use then it's probably going to be easier for most people to use. Mm. Because, you know, most people have some kind of disability in a small way, in a large way. It's a grey area, you know. I'm, I wear glasses, but I'm, I wouldn't consider myself to be, you know, visually uh, you know, disabled, but I wear glasses. And if something works better when I, you know, if I can look at my phone and it brings on a message and I haven't got my glasses on or something, then it's going to be easier for, for me to use. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's, it's, yeah, it's probably actually, it's probably a fatuous example, I'll cut that one out. Uh, but, um, 
but the the idea being that um, you know if you create something which is easier and better for people for for disabilities to use, yeah, then you will you create something which is better and easier yeah, for most by people default, to use. Yeah, I think it's very. Um, it's it's should be that should be a no brainer, shouldn't it? But yeah. it's only when it's voiced that it, you know you think, oh god, yeah, why have we not been doing that all this time? Yeah, and so just alongside that is also looking at design as a process of going. The, the idea that design is a process of moving towards perfection, and there's this one thing that's perfect. The other thing that's come up a lot at the moment is the idea that maybe when you're designing something, you create something which automatically changes itself to the the needs of the user. You don't go, okay, this is the best design possible. Because you know, we're talking interactive media here. You know, we're talking mm. about something where you could have a website which you know, knows some things about me and knows what, you know, what works for me and changes itself. Um, you know, we're, seeing, we're starting to see some AI types. You know, Spotify, well, you, know, you listen to Spotify uh, and it will generally get your taste in music pretty right. But it still works a, a certain way. It looks mm. a certain way. It doesn't work particularly well on my little small iPhone SE um, it should it's, it's interface should adapt to, yeah. to what um, so yeah that's, that's, that's one issue at the moment uh, but yeah I think you know, as we said diversity is the is, is, I think that's going to be the big thing within the creative industries I think a lot of the conferences you're going to hear talks about that um, mm. and that's something which I think 2017 is going to be you know all about yeah you know, despite uh, the political situation that's, that's going on there now well I mean it's, uh, you know that's uh, it's a positive response that, whether it's a response or not, it, it, you know, that can only be a great thing. Yeah, cool. Yeah, so, um, well, the last bit I always ask, um, oh, actually, no, before I do forget, in terms of people submitting work to Digital yeah. Arts, what, is there a formal process for that? What, what's the. No, uh, just drop me an email, hit me up on Twitter, I can provide all the details for, for you. Um, yeah, guess, I mean, best thing, drop us an email to like Digital Arts News at idg.co.uk. Or find me on Twitter, which you know, it's just Neil Bennett or mm-hmm. Digital Underscore Arts is the, and just send us a message, yeah, and just show us what you've got, and mm-hmm. you know, if if it's great enough that we can cover it, and we've got time to do that, obviously we do get a lot, of, you know, a lot of stuff through, then be fantastic, and we're always on the lookout for new talent. Mm-hmm. I would say the only kind of restrictions on that is we're not particularly that interested in personal projects. Yeah, we are writing for an audience of, of professionals. But then, if you're working on something which is groundbreaking in its own way, it's a personal project that you want to try mm-hmm. and pitch to clients. Uh, yeah, if it's re- if it's really good, then we'll we'll occasionally cover things like that as well. Yeah. But it's generally it's professional work that we're covering because that's the audience of people we're going out to. Yeah. Brilliant. And uh, the last question I always put people on the spot with called the shark in the tank, and I ask them for a love and a hate, or it can be a positive and a negative. It can be as silly or as serious as you want. Uh, very loosely within the theme of creativity, but but wide open question. Um, okay, so something I love. I think for me, the thing that I love is seeing something which makes, stops me and makes me think. That UN Women example that we mentioned earlier. It's taking a format that we know very well. We've you know we've seen a lot of work. You know, whether it's Where's Wally's book or it's Rod Hunt's artwork, mm. and that's going. Yeah, but do, we're using it to make a point. And that's that kind of stuff I always love. Um, hate, I think, again, I think it's always going to come down to people pitching us ideas to do with these exploitative competitions, mm. asking people to work, to, to work for free. Yeah. Because, you know, we, it's got to the point now we, we, we will tell people to fuck off. Yeah, <laughs> we will. We will literally turn around and go. We are not going to yeah. cover. It's very yeah. slimy and underhanded, isn't it? But it's, but it's so. It's uh, yeah. I'm right on board with that. <laughs> I could go on, but yeah, it's uh, it's not it's not healthy. Yeah, brilliant. Well, thank cool. you for your time, Neil. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers to Neil for giving me the time to sit down with him and talk about his journey at Digital Arts, about diversity and design, and all that stuff. I hope you enjoyed it. Please do get me your thoughts over on the Twitter at ArrestAllTheMix or email me hello at bentallon.com. If you want to discuss further any of these topics, get your own suggestions in, tell me why you should be on the show or just ask any questions. It's all good. I love the correspondence. The feedback is important. Please do keep giving it. Hit me up on Twitter if you want to compliment the show. It does mean a lot and it does keep the confidence riding high to keep doing this show. So please do. Don't keep it to yourself. If you love something I'm doing, please let me know because it's awesome and I do love that. And 
even better if you want to go one step further please do drop us a review on itunes because that's really important and it really helps other people who are looking for creative podcasts to discover the show and support what i'm doing so hopefully if you're a fan of it please do spread the love and share the word because it's really really great when new people discover the show all of the time so like i say hit us up on the twitter at arrest on the mix all sorts of cool guests coming up very soon. Rebecca Hendon from BuzzFeed. She's the in-house illustrator there. Fantastic lass. Award-winning with some great stories. Um, we've got Marianne Duchaz, another brilliant illustrator. Bit of a legend in the industry these days. Worked on the Jamie Oliver books. She's got her own awesome books out. Um, top, top lady. Uh, again, kindly gave me some time. We've got all sorts coming up. We've got uh, an episode with personal impact specialist Jodie Goldman talking about the things that hold us back as freelancers in terms of confidence and um, how we represent ourselves and how we see ourselves and ego and all those things. So that's quite a, quite an episode on the sofa, so to speak, but it's a good one. It's a really good one. It's very insightful. So we've got that coming up. Andrew Davis, social media, a bit of an expert, does digital marketing training. He's going to be telling us about the failure of MySpace, why that didn't work and how uh, we stay on top these days and why it doesn't have to be as complex as we first fear. But anyway, I could go on all day. Got all these awesome guests coming up. Thanks again for your support, guys. Cheers to Neil Bennett from Digital Arts for giving me the time. I hope you enjoyed the show. We'll catch you all down the road very, very soon. See you later on. 